you know, thank you for joining us uh, early on this morning. Uh, we just wanted to kind of touch base with you to see how, how you're doing, how the university is doing. Um, you know, back in April, we spoke to you about the financial impact the pandemic would have on the university. Uh, at that point, you were anticipating something in the neighborhood of $5 million for a possible hit. Uh, we thought at that point that uh, we may find our way out of the pandemic sometime by the fall, which has obviously not happened. Uh, how are things looking now as we enter a new calendar year? Well, we were really fortunate to get a lot of assistance from the federal government uh, in the CARES Act. Uh, we were fortunate that the state of Ohio uh, was very helpful to higher education. We had a number of refunds to give last spring because we sent students home from the residence halls and dining halls and so forth, and we were able to do that. Uh, we were also um, able to do a lot of our planning all summer long with the safety measures, uh, getting the classrooms ready uh, to be socially distanced, getting our IT uh, put together. Uh, our faculty worked extremely hard uh, to finish last uh, spring semester as well as we could and then prepare themselves for the fall. And we thought we had a good fall. So we've been fortunate that uh, it, it has been a financial impact, uh, but with the one-time money uh, that we got from the CARES Act, we were able to, uh, you know, not make it a fatal uh, situation. Uh, you know, going forward, uh, as we get ready for the spring semester, our students come back on Monday and uh, we were able last uh, <clears throat> fall to make sure everyone got a welcome back kit that had two masks and hand sanitizers. And, and uh, we were able to purchase uh, 10 uh, hand sanitizer units that are in a lot of our academic buildings so that we really just have in front of us all that we need to wash our hands. We need to have that social distancing. And in fact, we just got this morning the newest rendition of our masks. So you're getting like a scoop. Oh, nice. Uh, this is this semester's mask, which is okay. kind of pretty cool. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, they they all get a, a kit that's when they get back to school that's got their masks and their hand sanitizer and, and uh, uh, those kinds of things. So uh, we have a return safely to campus uh, focus group that's been working since May of last year and that continues to meet. Uh, we meet with the state presidents and the state safety committees constantly. Uh, Julie Gentile, our director of, of environmental occupational health and safety has just been a, she's just been a warrior when it comes to making sure we do things well. And, and uh, so we're, we're anxious uh, for the spring semester to begin. Uh, our faculty did a good job of mixing in uh, both the face-to-face -face, unsafely uh, what we call agile hybrid, which is rotating students in in small groups, and then also the remote opportunities. And, and they did a good job in the fall semester when they front loaded a lot of the face-to-face -face needs. And then near the end, after Thanksgiving, they were able to go virtually, primarily remote. Uh, as we begin this semester, uh, again, it will be up to the good judgment of our faculty, which we have the greatest confidence in that uh, some of them may front load some of the remote work. I don't know. That's up to them. Um, and uh, But whatever they do, it'll be done safely. And, and uh, uh, we'd like to think uh, with uh, the, the understanding that we know how to treat this uh, virus better than we did last March. Um, we 
have the vaccine coming and that will slowly roll in. We're, we're not, uh, we understand that it, it probably won't impact our young people uh, early in this semester, but perhaps by late in the semester or, or in the summer. And so uh, just like anything else, you, you go day by day, week by week, semester by semester. And uh, we've been really proud of the way our people have handled it. Sure. And uh, speaking of the fall into the spring, uh, obviously football season has shifted from the fall uh, to the spring right now, as of uh, at least I-, I can tell everything's still kind of on plan, right? For the spring football season, but uh, football in the fall, obviously that's a big economic driver for the university. Uh, ha- has that hurt you at all? What, what, what might be the trickle down effects of not having in the fall? Or do you think maybe with it being in the spring, you can make up of some of what you lost in the fall? It, it certainly was a, a revenue uh, negative situation. Uh, plus, it was just a community negative thing. You know, it's football games are fun times. People get together and cheer for their local team. And and uh, so, yes, we'll be able to make up a little bit of that. You know, as you look at uh, the FBS level that played in the fall, uh, they had 87% of their games. Uh, so we're not thinking that we're going to have 100% of our games, and we may miss a game here or there. Uh, we only have eight scheduled. Uh, we want to be a little bit careful from a standpoint of knowing that if we play uh, X number of games in the spring, then we're going to be coming back and playing in the fall again, hopefully uh, back to normal. So we don't want to overdo a calendar year uh, just from a player safety standpoint. But our athletic programs have been very diligent, very vigilant, uh, constant testing, uh, on campus, we're going to be ramp- ramping up our testing a little bit more than we had in the in the fall. We were solely symptom-based uh, testing in the fall, plus anyone that wanted to volunteer, plus our 500 student-athletes were testing quite frequently. Um, it will move up. Uh, we have a partnership with CVS as our students return to campus, the ones that live here, and, uh, and so we'll be uh, rolling that out this coming week. Uh, and we'll be ramping up our testing a little, um, but uh, it will be interesting uh, strain on our athletic department. Our fall and our winter and our spring sports are all going to be this semester. And so <laughs> it's going to put a lot of stretch on us, but uh, you know, I have a lot of confidence in Ron Strollo and all of our head coaches and, and the student athletes. Uh, I think it'll be good for their mental health to be able to get out there and compete a little bit. Yeah, well, uh, oftentimes you use athletics to to recruit uh, not only student athletes, but just students, period. Uh, how has enrollment been, g- given that, and uh, has it been a, a difficult at all to attract new students to the university? Well, we really didn't know what was going to happen uh, after the pandemic came at the end of last spring. Uh, we braced ourselves for what people were thinking were going to be 10 to 15% enrollment decline. We were fortunate. It was only about four and a half percent. It will be interesting to see uh, how much we lose from the fall semester to the spring. Uh, Some of our students now will have had two semesters or a half a semester last year and a whole semester. And, and, you know, remote isn't why they signed up to come here. Uh, so who knows? We may lose a handful of folks uh, between fall and spring. We'll find that out here in the next uh, few days. Uh, but knock on wood, it has not been uh, as big an impact as we were racing ourselves for. And I think in large part because the affordability of Youngstown State University is a tremendous bonus that we have. 
Um, it, it's, I think, uh, out of the 14 public universities, uh, I think we're the 13th in terms of how much our tuition and fees are. So uh, that, that's a good thing. Um, and so I think maybe some people who are going to private schools or going to more expensive schools might have said, hey, if I'm going to be doing some of my work remote, why don't I do it, you know, more uh, with a little bit more value to the dollar? So uh, we'll see how it rolls out. Um, interestingly enough, we've been in the midst of strategic planning for about two years. We didn't know about the pandemic, of course, uh, but we're really working hard by the end of this semester to really have really moved toward figuring out where are the greatest needs for our region in terms of workforce. How can we be more helpful in turning out the workers that are needed, making sure that our graduates have opportunities and so forth. So uh, I think the, the more efficient and effective that we get, making sure we are offering the right things, uh, we have a tremendous faculty who will get people ready. Uh, so I'm very optimistic about the future. Plus, I think just from a physical standpoint, people haven't been up and around campus uh, as much here in the last 10 months or so. But uh, the work continues on Fifth Avenue, and that's going to be an extraordinary thoroughfare all the way from Mercy down to the amphitheater. Um, the work on our innovation center right on the corner there of Commerce and Fifth, a 57,000 square foot building that um, is on target to be done at the end of March. And that's really going to be a, a shining star here in our center city. And so, um, you know, I, I think when people do get back to whatever normal ends up being uh, next fall, they're really going to see quite a different looking place. Uh, and they'll say, what happened during this year? We're going to say, well, there was a lot of progress. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of uh, progress, taking a longer view, uh, obviously, you know that universities do more than just provide uh, undergraduate ed undergraduate education. Over the course of the last uh, decade or so, you guys have distinguished yourself as a research institution, particularly in the area of STEM. What adaptions, uh, adaptations rather, have you had to make to continue research and develop in the academic realm? And uh, what innovations has the university made? You know, that that's one of the groups that really has remained on campus I, because research is ongoing. You have to pay attention you know, to your research. It, it's hands-on. Uh, and as we uh, get this innovation center up and running, uh, that will be another research center. And we're also going to be partnering uh, with the Altium LLC out there, uh, the battery plant, along with Lordstown Motors, in uh, working with Eastern Gateway Community College and coming up with some research in terms of energy storage innovation. Um, that's going to be a, a big uh, focus for us moving forward. And, uh, but for the, for the moment, our researchers have been able to continue their research. Uh, they've been doing it safely. Um, and uh, they've been really part of the skeleton crew that has remained on campus uh, simply because you can't let that research, you know, sit for a day, uh, you know, or, or you, uh, you don't uh, get to your the ends that you're seeking. Mm -hmm. The Innovation Center you were just referring to, when do you guys plan on opening that? It's supposed to be done at the end of March. Okay. And so even if it's not ready right at that moment, our plan was if it's ready in the spring, we'll equip it throughout the summer and it will be ready to be utilized in August as we begin the next academic year. Okay. But we have a pretty good buffer in there of months just to make sure that, uh, you know, there's a lot of equipment. I, our faculty and 
researchers have uh, leveraged the building and the state funding that we got from the building and the EDA federal money and the Appalachian Region Commission, they've leveraged that into about 10 or $12 million worth of equipment that will equip the building. Okay. So it's, it's not just a $14 million building, it's a 14 plus 12. Okay. Uh, and so we have to get that ready. We have to get things calibrated. We have to get people trained as to how they teach on them, get our faculty used to it, get our graduate students used to it, find out from the local community uh, where we can be helpful as they transition in the new wave of manufacturing. And so we think uh, clearly by August, it will be ready to go on all cylinders. Yeah. And uh, to shift kind of gears to uh, more of a sports tone here, uh, we uh, we did some research. Mike Prefer used to be your assistant at, at YSU. First of all, we kind of want to know what you think of Mike and what, uh, what Browns fans can expect uh, on the sidelines uh, coming up on Sunday night. Mike Prefer is a disciplined young man. He's a graduate of the United States Naval Academy. Uh, he was a young coach here. He was um, part of our 1997 national championship staff. Uh, he moved on and he's been in the NFL for, gosh, 15 or more years. Uh, he was with the Jaguars and he was with the Giants and with the Vikings for a lot of years. Uh, He's now in his second year with the Browns. He and Kevin Stefanski spent a lot of time together at the Vikings. They really count on one another. And, and, and the thing you have to remember about the special teams coordinator is a lot of the head coach management decisions <clears throat> have to do with clock management, a special teams decisions, those types of things. And that's what the special teams coordinator, uh, everywhere I've been, uh, that special teams coordinator has always been a voice in your ear as the head coach talking about situations. Uh, so Mike uh, has got great experience. He worked for Tom Coughlin uh, and had great success with him. He worked with Coach Zimmer up at uh, the Vikings. Now he's with Coach Stefanski. He's prepared, and I'm sure he's excited. And, and uh, you know, uh, I feel bad for Coach Stefanski that we've waited, what, 17 or 18 years uh, to get in the playoffs, and, and he doesn't get to be there. And I'm sure it'll be a hard game to watch for him. But, uh, you know, It'll be fun to watch Mike Prefer. Uh, I was going to see if he'd wear a Y on his cap, you know, but he, <laughs> he's not going to do, he's going to wear his Cleveland Browns cap. Fair enough. At least, uh, at least you know, reached out and, and tried to get him to do that. But uh, uh, one last question for you real quick. I don't know if there's been any new reports about possible uh, attendance for, for YSU football. What have, what's the university heard about that? What, uh, what, are, what are your kind of inner thoughts about uh, possible attendance for YSU football games in the spring? The uh, Missouri Valley Conference uh, leaves it up to the local health departments in the states where our games are. So uh, North Dakota might be different than Ohio, might be different than Indiana and Illinois and so forth. So as we move closer to, I think our opener is what, March 6th, right in there. Uh, we'll kind of wait and see how the pandemic's going, see what the CDC federal guidance is, and then it becomes a state guidance. Really, Governor DeWine has been really good about saying, hey, it's up to the local health departments. Uh, and that's why all 14 of us public universities aren't doing things exactly the same, because it, we have a great relationship with the Youngstown City Health Department, uh, with the Mahoning County Health Department, the Trumbull County Health Department. Uh, so uh, when March rolls around and we see how this pandemic's doing, uh, we see what level we've gotten to from a vaccine standpoint and all that, um, you know, we'll find out. But 
you know, I, I would guess it's going to, you know, we might get three or 4,000 people allowed in there. You know, I'm hoping, uh, which, you know, will obviously offset some of our revenue uh, challenges from missing the fall. Yeah. All right. Well, President Trestle, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Uh, keep us posted on uh, all things uh, on the academic side and on the uh, uh, athletic side and uh, stay safe and, and have a great rest of your day. All right. Happy New Year.